All right. This week on the Righteous Roundup podcast, I have a returning guest with us. Joe Steven is here to talk about the wilderness. Come on, man. I'm excited to have this conversation with you because I think this is, um, I think this is, this is something that all Christians go through in their lives. Right. Um, there's not a lot of teaching out there on this particular topic, and yet it really, I think, is such an important one because I don't, everybody has seasons in their lives where it feels like God is either far away or like it just feels like it's not as blessed as it used to be. Mm, <laughs> you yeah. Know? Um, and it and and then there can be an element of being isolated, right? right? Of being isolated. Um, and what we're going to see is that this happens to many of the biblical characters, right? So um, just to share for me, I feel like I've been through. Mm, three or four wilderness seasons in my life. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've been through, I've been through it enough times now to where, when I'm going, when I went through this last one, as I've been going through this last one, I'm like, okay, I know what this is. (laughs) (laughs) I know what this is. And that's really important because, um, I remember the first time I really went through a real wilderness season. It, it scared the heck out of me. It scared me so much. I remember feeling like God is, you know, did I do something mm. that, you know, has caused your grace to lift off my life, right? Did I just mess up so bad somewhere that, um, you know, you're not with me anymore because I don't feel your grace like I used to, you know? And and the only way to understand, you know, the wilderness season is that it really has to be contrasted by the season of blessing, Right. Where it's like, it just yeah. feels like everything you're doing is blessed. It feels like you're hearing God's voice really clearly. It's like doors mm-hmm. are opening for you. Right. It's like <laughs> you, you have all these people that are encouraging you and affirming you. And, you know, it just feels like life is super blessed. And thank God, I, I love those seasons. And, you know, and then all of a sudden, it's like, what happened here? Like, what happened? Why all yeah. of a sudden does it feel like your grace is no longer on my life. And I remember mm-hmm. I went through, you know, that first wilderness season after I graduated from college. Cause when I was in college, my faith like exploded. Like I was, I was felt like so close to the Lord and like I was walking mm-hmm. in, in great faith. And then all of a sudden when I graduated from college, um, I just, I felt like God was far away. I couldn't hear his voice very well. Like um, it just like, I was going through so many like pain and hardship. I felt so isolated from what was yeah. before. And, um, and I really was afraid that I had like, I had missed what God wanted me to do. I completely missed it. And, you know, I missed my destiny. And that was like my fear in my Mm. heart. And that fear made it worse, you know, because I remember I was like, I I would get mad at some of my leaders. I, I remember I went through in that season, I went through a period where I was like getting mad at my pastor, um, because, you know, this is something I had to work through in that in that time, but I felt like he wasn't helping me mm. well, you know, um, to find the Lord and seek the Lord. And I was just taking out my frustration on people around me. And to be clear, it's not like I was being like a raging, you know, lunatic <laughs> yeah. or anything like that. It's just I didn't have as much grace for other people as I had had before, something right. like that, you know. And um, that season lasted for me for about two years. Mm. And, um, and then after two years... Um, 
I I went to go lead worship for this conference. I got invited to lead worship for a conference up in Northern California. I flew up there. When I got there, um, the person who invited me was like, Dennis, I'm so sorry. We canceled the conference. And I was like, as soon as you got, thanks there. for letting me know, you know? <laughs> and, yeah. and she was like, well, I have to tell you what's going on. And she told me that they like, that many people had got these prophetic dreams and they felt like the Lord had spoken to them really strongly to cancel the conference and instead to fast and pray for 40 days. So I got two, wow. I, I took two weeks off work and I joined them for the fast. When I was there, the, the voice of the Lord spoke really clearly to me, Dennis, I want you to quit your job, move back to Northern California and start a church. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what was happening? And then I, I went to my friend yeah. who was there and I said, I said, bro, I think the Lord just told me to move here and to start a church. And he looked at me, he's like, that's exactly what I was talking with this other person about. We feel like the Lord's telling us to start a church. And so all of a sudden, it's like I was caught back up in the whirlwind of God, mm. like just out of nowhere after two years where it felt like yeah. I was like gone and all of a sudden, boom. And then I was like, oh my gosh, but if I, if I, if I'm going to move up here, I'm going to need a job. And literally <laughs> like a couple days later, my friend calls me right out of yeah. nowhere. And he goes, Hey Dennis, there's a church up in, you know, Northern California in Berkeley that they're looking for a worship leader. It's paid, but man, you'd have to move up here, you know? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, the yeah. door just opened, man, because okay, the Lord just perfect. told me to move up there. Right. It's like all of these things, yeah. just all of a sudden, That's it awesome. just felt like the grace of the Lord is back on my life. Mm. And, um, it, I'm just kind of, you know, telling this story. That was just the first time this ever happened to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I was so like, what happened? You know, I didn't know what happened. I, it was confused. Um, but I did not know mm -hmm. how to handle that first wilderness season well, which is why I was so scared. I was anxious. Yeah. And and then when it was over, it was like, boom, the, the floodgates are open, all this right. grace on my life again. And then fast forward another six, seven years, and I go through another one, right? Mm -hmm. Another wilderness season. And But I, I had a sense of, oh, I've been through this before. I can recognize some of the signs. And so what I'm getting at is that I, I feel like because I've had experience now in going through these things, like I know how to go through them better. Something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. More I, understanding. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You have more understanding. And there's a confidence. Like I've been through the season where I felt this way and it was really hard and all this kind of stuff. And then I felt the grace of the Lord come back fully. And if, if that cycle has happened a number of times. So mm -hmm. I, I say that because, you know, a lot of people who are going through their first or maybe their second or something like that, they're er, er, relatively early on in their journey with the Lord. Yeah. And they go through this type of season and it's really, really tough. And I have so much compassion for them because it was so confusing and like anxiety inducing and all this kind of stuff. And so yeah. I think this is a really important and good um, you know, topic to have a conversation on. So, Joe, yeah. let me turn it over to you. Like, you know, what experience have you had kind of being in the wilderness, man? What's that look like for you in your life before? Yeah, for sure. I I really appreciate you sharing the context of like this conversation because there's so much to unpack even in just the wilderness in general. Um, part of my heart and why I feel like this is so important, especially right now, um, in my time and walk with the Lord and just, I'm encouraged by your story because again, I think a lot of times we avoid 
in church culture and context, we tend to avoid the really hard, like ambiguous, paradoxical type of conversations where it's like, yeah. but I know the Lord's with me, but I literally don't feel him. Yeah. And so you're like having to go without your feelings. And like when you first become a believer, I have to say, when you first get saved and you're you're first following Jesus and you're saying yes to him, it almost feels like you're being spoon fed, you know, and that's how I describe it to people who are new believers. But then there comes a point where the Lord's like, okay, now it's time for you to stand up and start walking. And it hurts. It's painful. It's not easy to start doing that. And then you feel him like leading you by the hand. And then he starts letting you try to take steps without holding your hand. And sometimes the wilderness feels like um, you're doing it on your own, even though he's right there with you. Yeah. And so I've seen it play out even just in like my friends' lives is where if they, so there's, I've seen it in two types of pendulum swings, right? There's one pendulum swing where they go off the deep end and they just want spiritual experiences 24 seven. So I need to go to the next conference, the next prophetic, you know, um, event that's happening. I need a word. I need this. And it's, it becomes almost this, uh, consumerist type mentality where I just need something or else I don't feel like I'm good with God, you know, Mm -hmm. um, on the other side of it, um, is the piece where people, it's so discouraging that some even walk away. And so I've seen both extremes play out. And so I right now, uh, just to give context of what I, what I'm seeing and what I'm, what I'm talking about is just like, we're walking through a wilderness season right now where it seemed like every single door shut in our face. So for a while we were praying about moving to another state with family in Idaho and we were planning on getting a home and my brother-in-law was going to build it for us. And that door shut right in our face. And we're like, okay, let's try to figure out something else. So we started to plan another house project that was on, on property um, with family. And then we decided that wasn't what the Lord was leading us to do. And that shut in our face. And we're like, okay, you know, this is really frustrating because you're like, I, I need a house. I'm married. I, I want to be with my wife and have that freedom to start having children and all of the things that come along with that. Um, and then it was like literally silence for months on end like no direction, no guidance, no clarity. And I'm like, this is such an ambiguous place that I I feel so frustrated. But at the same time, I have this overwhelming sense of peace that it's going to be okay. Like it's going to work out. He's going to, he's going to make it happen. And I want to encourage any listeners right now or anybody watching this that like in the moment when you're going through it, the best thing you can do is look back to the last thing God said and where he was faithful and use that as a stepping stone to continue to move forward in faith. Um, and so for me, it's just been recently like picking up my guitar um, and playing because that was where when I first got saved, the Lord would meet me just playing music and talking to him. And so it's been coming out in in writing and poetry and songs. And um, just the other day, I, I, I sang a song with my wife in the room and um, just went in my secret place and I was started playing a song. And what came out of me was just this like adoration and saying, God, I want to give you my alabaster, everything I am poured out on your feet. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how it's going to work, but I want to give all of that to you. And uh, here is my everything. And so that came out of this place of like, I'm, it feels, it feels, um, the word I'm looking for is not confusing because God's not a God of confusion, but it feels frustrating 
you know, at times in your walk when you're like, okay, I'm reading the word, I'm praying, I'm talking with the Lord, I'm in community, I'm involved in my church, like I'm doing all the spiritual disciplines and things I know to do, but it feels dry. And and I wanted to point us to Matthew chapter four. Um, That's what came up uh, for me today was just the fact that it says in verse one, then Jesus is after his baptism was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And he was fasting 40 days and 40 nights. But I think part of this context is like, sometimes the wilderness is self-imposed, right? Like the people of Israel, they grumble, they complain, they they put themselves in a position where God was like, okay, you're not going to inherit the promised land. But most of the time when it's a spirit-led wilderness, it can feel similar. And it can feel like, what did I do? What What's wrong? And sometimes when he leads you into the wilderness, it is truly led by the spirit. Um, and in those times, it's like he's teaching you something, he's growing you in something. There's something on your life that he wants cut off and pruned um, because he's the vine dresser. And so sometimes he'll come in to cut those things out of your life that aren't supposed to go with you into the next season. Um, and so that's kind of where I find myself right now. Yeah, no, that's really good. Yeah, let's talk about because you brought up a number of really good, um, important topics, you know, subtops to talk about here, like, yeah, like good wilderness versus bad wilderness, something like that, right? Because yeah, <laughs> I think, um, yeah, like I, I described when I went through my first wilderness season, my my main fear was like, God, what sin did I commit to like right. lose your grace, right? Like, yeah. what did I do wrong here? And the the hard part about that is that the truth is we're all kind of idiots, you know, like, like we're sheep. We're yeah. like sheep. <laughs> yes, we are sheep. Like this is like important to know because um, it, I think whenever we're going through stuff, it's like, God, it d- does that happen. Does that happen? We're like, if I do something, could God's grace be lifted off my life because I mm-hmm. did something wrong? And the answer to that is actually, yes, that can happen. Right. Mm-hmm. That can happen. Like we see that with Saul, for example, right in the Bible, Saul sinned in some significant ways and the Lord departed from him. Right. Mm-hmm. And we see that with like Eli, the high priest before, right. He did not discipline his sons in the way that God expected him to. And so because of that, the grace was lifted off of his family line. So we do see these types of judgments in scripture. All right. Um, but then what happens is now, okay, did I do something like that, right? Did I do something like that? In humility, I think we we have to say, Lord, I, I'm, I'm open to being corrected because one of the purposes of the wilderness season is to humble us. If I can even say that that might be the primary purpose of the wilderness season, yeah. <laughs> okay? The primary purpose of this season is to humble us, right? So if I can be honest— I think a lot of times when we're when we find ourselves in the wilderness, there can be an element where the Lord is leading us into it, right? Because we've done something right, and there can be an element where He's leading us into it because He needs to correct something in our lives, and both of those things can be true at the exact same time. All right. Yeah. Now, one thing I would say is that there are times if if we sin in a knowing way, we know we have sinned against the Lord. And we are refusing to repent of it, all right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, here's an example. Like, I'm married to my wife, and I fall in love with another woman. I leave my wife, and I start living with this other woman, all right? That is an example of, I have sinned against the Lord. I know it's sin, 
and uh, and his grace is going to be lifted off my life. Absolutely, mm-hmm. if I do that, okay? And mm-hmm. that is not the type of wilderness where the Lord has led you into that place. That's the type where you have rebelled against his ways, okay? And you're in serious danger, okay? So I want to say there. this is a category of, of you know, what can feel like a wilderness, all right? where the antidote is repentance. You have to repent, okay? If we're talking about you know that you are in sin, and I always try to make a distinction between, you know, you stumble in sin. Look, a lot of people stumble in sin all the time, you know, with relatively minor sins, and they're stumbling, but they're struggling against sin. And they're what fighting. I always, yeah. And they're fighting. And what I'm always trying to say is, I think there's lots of grace for that type of thing, okay? Like guys, a lot of guys, girls too, are struggling with like pornography and things like that. They know it's wrong and they're repenting and they're like, but they fall into it again and they're repenting. I I don't think that type of thing will put you in that first category of wilderness, something like that, okay? I don't think your relationship with God is in like a super dangerous place when you're mm. struggling with that type of sin, okay? Because the reality is, you know, I think all of us have stuff like that a lot. Most of it is we're not aware of it. Right, we're not aware of how we are jealous of people. We're not aware of so much sin in our lives, right? And I, I, I don't think that we need to live in a kind of terror that like these types of sins and struggles that we have are going to result in God lifting off His grace and saying, "I don't want anything to do with you" or something like that. Okay, this first category I'm talking about, like we know it's sinful, we know we're in rebellion against the Lord, and we're refusing to repent. Okay, that look, you got to repent. If you want to get out of that thing, you got to repent. It's so important. And that is how people fall away from the faith, all right, by doing that, okay? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the first category. The second category is I think it's it's that mixture where, hey, the Lord has led us into the wilderness Um. And also because he he wants to correct us, he wants to humble us, he wants us to become more like him, and that means that we're going to be dealing with areas of pride, areas where we need to repent, all that kind of stuff in the in that context, right? Mm. And that's actually a very good thing because look, you know, all of us sin, all of us sin, all of us, you know, are are so far from the character of God that we need Him to do things like this to help us grow, right? Like. That's it's necessary. Okay. It's a necessary thing. So when we're talking about God, am I here because I've sinned in some way? Well, I think to some degree the answer is like, yeah. <laughs> I think the but the thing we're worried about is it because I've sinned so much more than other people? Is that why mm. you're punishing me? So, no, and I think the answer to that is probably no. Does that make sense? When you're in that middle category, it's not because necessarily you've sinned so much more than other people, because uh, when God disciplines us, that's actually a sign of his love. Yeah. Right, it's a sign that he he it, he has an agenda in our lives, right, to work and to make us more like him and to sanctify us, right, and that's what he's doing, right, and so his discipline is not his rejection; his discipline is actually a sign of his acceptance mm, of us. Every good. every son, this yeah. is like what Hebrews ten twelve. I can't remember what I'm talking about, right? But yeah. every son he disciplines, right, right, and 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 that's actually a sign that we're. We're legitimate children. We're legitimate (laughs) children. Exactly. Right. Like, and that's really hard because look, I think one of the big problems is that there's so much prosperity preaching out there, right? There's so Mm -hmm. much prosperity teaching, right? If, if, you know, if you're pleasing the Lord, 
He's blessing your life. He's making you rich. He's, you know, he's giving you joy. He's giving you all this kind of stuff. All and and look, I hate some of that stuff. Okay, now there are degrees of truth to that. Okay, I'm I'm not saying there's zero truth to that type of teaching. Okay, but look, Jesus suffered. Okay, did Jesus mess up so bad? You know, like man. You know, he had to go to the wilderness and fast 40 days. Jesus was crucified on the cross. Jesus was rejected by uh, his what own disciples. What did he do wrong? Yeah, yeah, what did he do wrong? You know, like, no, literally yeah. every hero of Scripture suffered for their righteousness. Yeah. And if we don't have a paradigm, a biblical paradigm for why God allows that and why it's important and why we have to go through it, then it, it, how are we going to go through these seasons correctly and rightly and this is where right. a lot of people they go through this they they go oh god's not real or god has rejected me one or the other and i'm not following him anymore okay yeah. and a lot of that is that 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 terrible prosperity teaching that is out there in the body and that's really damaging okay right. no the the truth is the biblical heroes all went through wilderness seasons i i'm, I'm saying all in a loose way because I, I, it's not like i've sent thought through every single one but right. we can list a ton off the top of our heads right joseph went through significant wilderness season right where he's a slave and then he's a prisoner for surely over 10 years right david significant wilderness season over 10 years moses in the wilderness you know for a, a long time we don't know exactly how long years, but it, was, yeah. it was a long like time moses starts his ministry when he's 80 years old that is the, that is the most insane thing Right. That's that's why, like, you know, because I'm like 40. (laughs) Right. And I'm like, dude, Jesus, like finished his ministry at 33. Like, you know, I haven't even, you know, (laughs) and then I'm like, but Moses, Moses, Moses I'm in a good place. (laughs) You know, but I mean, honestly, this is important, like that spirit of patience. Mm. Right. That spirit of patience, Um, because we live in a generation where, like, you know, everything is weighed in terms of how popular you are, how many Instagram followers you have. And like, you know, at a young age, right? All this kind of stuff. But I think really the the kingdom mm-hmm. doesn't work like that. Like I tell my kids, you don't want to get rich and famous when you're young. Like that is one of the worst things that can happen to you. I told I told them, I won't let you. <laughs> I won't <laughs> let, let you get happen. rich and famous when you're young, <laughs> right? If you're like Justin, you're the next Justin Bieber and you have an amazing voice and you want to put it on YouTube, right? I might let you do it. But if you start racking up thousands of followers, I'm shutting that thing down, right? Like, no, I don't want you to be rich and famous. I don't care about that kind Mm. of stuff that stuff will destroy you when you're young you don't have the character to handle that stuff right Mm. that's humility humility is we don't have the character to handle look i look at seasoned leaders in the body of christ who fell because of all the temptations that come with riches and and influence and power and all this kind of stuff it is so so hard to steward those things okay and in fact i'm i am convinced that is why god has to take us through long stretches of the wilderness. We have to go through the wilderness if we're going to develop the character that we need to actually be able to handle riches and authority and influence. And to be 100% clear here, I'm not even talking about for this age. I'm talking about for the age to come. Okay? Right. I I don't when people talk about you have a great destiny on your life, you know, and you're going to be you know, a, a governor, or you're going to be a movie star, and all kinds of stuff. All of that, to me, all of those words are garbage. All those words are mm. complete garbage. I would flush all of those types of words. Okay, it's not that he doesn't have a great destiny for your life. He does, but it's an eternal destiny. 
And if you start to think, oh, my destiny is to be, you know, a movie star and all this kind of stuff, and 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 you start becoming famous, well, what happens after your 10 minutes of fame? Even if that comes true, what happens after your 10 minutes of fame? Right? Is your destiny over? <laughs> You're done? You're you know, you can die now? Is that is that what it is? Or or is all mm -hmm. of you know these ways that we imagine God's plan and will for our lives is are they all really humanistic, right? They impress people like God. People are impressed by movie stars. God is not impressed by a movie star. Okay. Mm -hmm. God is impressed by a man of God that demonstrates great faith. And what the scripture shows again and again is that the way we demonstrate great faith is to do what's right in his sight when it costs us in this life. That's mm -hmm. how we demonstrate great faith. That's why the, the faith is always linked to suffering in some manner. Okay. There's so many scriptures yeah. that speak about this, right? And when we don't have a paradigm for what he is preparing us for, when we imagine it's this age, then we don't understand if we, I feel called to be a movie star. God's told me to be a movie star, except I keep getting rejected by these casting people, right? Right. What happened to my destiny? Well, no, your destiny isn't to be a movie star. This is why I always try and correct that, okay? It's not to be a movie star. That might be an assignment for a season of your life. Right. Yeah. Okay, we can have assignments, but that's not your destiny. Okay, because mm. guess what? If you're going to, if you're actually going to achieve your true calling in your destiny, it's going to cost you in this life. Right. It's going to cost you fame. It's going to cost you opportunities. It's going to cost you the stuff that gets you promoted in this life. It will cost you those things. And that's what faith is. It's believing that this life is not where my treasure is. This life is mm -hmm. not where my home is. It's the next life. That's the life that I'm living for because I believe there's a great judge that will reward me on that day. And mm. and living for the age to come. That is the posture of true faith. That's the that's what Jesus lived for, right? That's what Abraham lived for. Abraham was searching for a city whose foundations were built by God, right? That that right. blows my mind when I read that scripture. That's in Hebrews also, right? Because that city still hasn't come. That he's talking about New Jerusalem. Abraham had visions of New Jerusalem 3,500 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it still hasn't come to pass, but he's living for that. He was living mm -hmm. for that in his life, right? But that is the posture of faith, okay? Mm -hmm. We're living by the word of God, knowing that the that the promises of the future far outweigh the glory that awaits us, far outweighs any yes. any weak glory that we could get in this age okay yeah. and that's what gives purpose and meaning to the wilderness right that's why that's david can go through what he went through for dude david blows my mind bro like i i probably would have killed saul in that cave man <laughs> <laughs> like thinking about how many times he was like no i'm not gonna <laughs> touch him i'm like he's right there like he's yeah. right there yeah I would do it with 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 flair, dude. I'd be like, I I I'd like call out the cave. Saul, Saul, the Lord has given you into David's hands, right? And come out and just demolish him, you know. So many times, man. But that's the difference between like like David being keenly aware of what the Lord wants him to do, because even in his wilderness season, he still obeyed. Oh yeah, and that that's what sets like him apart from like in that instance when we're like, man, you could totally just be king and you deserve it, and he is in the right. And that's the thing is sometimes like 
He was in the wilderness fleeing from death, even though he was right. Yeah. Even though he was obeying. Yeah. And yeah. Bro, you know what the craziest part of David's story that always blows my mind? Like, there's a period in David's life where he goes to his enemies, the Philistines, mm-hmm. right? And what he has to do is he has to pretend that he's insane. He literally oh, yeah. acts insane. I remember that. Yeah. Right? Like, that blows my mind. Can you can you imagine? Like, it's like, what, dude, what should I do? Like, God, is it, it what's your will, right? Like, I, if I had to guess, and, and we're totally speculating because the Bible doesn't make any of this explicit. If I had right. to guess, like, that was David, like, being freaked out of Saul. Like, Saul's going to kill me. And I've got to do something about this. I'm going to go over to the Philistines, right? And he right. acts crazy for a season. I, I, I don't think like God's like David. This is what I want you to do, right? Go to the Philistines and act crazy, right? Act like you're insane. Your right? mind, yeah. And thus I will deliver you from Saul's hand, right? I don't think David got a word about that. I think that was David, like, dude, mm. Saul's going to kill me, right? I can't always rely on God showing up out of the blue and saving save mm-hmm. me i gotta i gotta get some more safe and so the only reason i bring that up is because you know i feel like some empathy with that right like yeah when it feels like god is putting you in these situations and you're like i don't know what to do here right like what the heck do i do and i look at david i'm like david i don't think he knew what to do sometimes right <laughs> like it's like like can you imagine him acting insane Right, he feels like he has to do it. Can you imagine, like, being in that in that position in David's life, where you're relying mm. on these words from your past? Right, you're relying on, you know, Samuel anointed me as king. You know, when I was a young boy. Right, I know that this is mm. something the Lord has promised to me. It will surely come to pass. Jonathan even confirmed it. Saul's own son. Right, yeah. I had these confirmations in my life, but then that was years ago. Right, that was mm. years ago. Did I did I mess it up? Right, did I do, you know? did I forfeit it somehow? I, I, mm-hmm. I'm so sure that a lot of those fears and thoughts were going through David's mind, his heart, same way that, you know, it's probably going through Joseph's mind and heart. Like, did I mess this up? You know, I know I got this dream from the Lord, you know, uh, but I don't know. Like I'm now I'm a slave. Now I'm in prison. Has God forgotten about me? You know, and you see that really clearly with Job, right? Like I'm encouraged by Job because they actually show what Job is thinking, <laughs> you know, yeah. with, with David and Joseph and some of these other guys who suffer in the wilderness, you don't really get an inside look at their inner yeah. thought life. A lot of times, right. You see, you know, you see David's Psalms and how, you know, he's like thanking God and all this kind of stuff. But with Job, what you really see is like, why is this happening to me? You know, mm-hmm. like, why is this happening to me? And he, he's confused. And then his friends are like, well, it's, you must have sinned. <laughs> right job's friends are we know how this works they're it right had, there ready to accuse him <laughs> it had to be your sin right you yeah, got to repent of your sin you know and mm. um and that's that's a classic look because i think a lot of people today would say yeah if you're suffering it's because you sinned in some way or something like that but mm. what we see in the book of job is that god rebukes job's friends harshly He rebukes them for speaking what's wrong. And then he says, if Job prays for you, then I'll forgive you. Right? Like they, they, you know, they were, they were sinning against Job. And, And the thing is, the amazing thing is they came to comfort Job. And I think they sat with him in silence for like a week. Right? I think it's something like that. They just, they just empathized with him and cried with him for like a week. Right. Mm -hmm. And because we're like, that's what 
good friends would do. They just sit there and they just <laughs> cry with you and they empathize with you. Well, that's what they did <laughs> for yeah. seven days. Like, that's pretty crazy. I don't know anybody that would do that for seven days, right? Yeah. It's just then after seven days, then they're like, okay, Job, now we need to be real with you. You probably sinned in some way. <laughs> right? like, yeah. Like, yeah. And addressing those things. Yeah. There was a couple of things you said I wrote down just so that I can go back and address it. Um, but yeah, I think it's helpful to kind of frame out like the wilderness season. Cause I think, you know, a lot of the conversations I've been having recently um, just with people online or people in my own personal life have been questions on like suffering in the wilderness or just suffering in general. Um, and some of those things like we had addressed, I categorized it this way is self-imposed wilderness or spirit led wilderness. And both have again, like we had addressed, both have the similarities of feeling like something is wrong or something needs to be addressed or that something needs to be corrected. Or like you had said, most of the purpose of the wilderness is to humble us. And so uh, just to reiterate what you were saying, that self-awareness piece like, is so crucial. And I think a lot of believers that I've had conversations with don't necessarily or aren't taught how to have the self-awareness of like, okay, is this a weakness the Lord wants to address and correct in me? Or is this something that I did knowingly and I'm purposely putting myself in a situation where I can't feel, can't hear, don't don't uh, experience God in the way that I did. And it's because I purposely have done something to hinder the relationship. Bible talks about grieving the spirit. Well, there are very real ways that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, and one of those ways is just not repenting, not keeping with repentance um, and can, like going to continue to live in sin. That's one of the ways. Um, but honestly, like my spirit led wilderness, and I believe this last two years have been spirit led. And I think it'll be helpful to kind of like share um, a little bit more about that. But just yeah, like with with family, you know, like my mom's side of the family doesn't talk to us anymore. And friends have walked away in my life recently over the last two years. And just like people that I ran with, people that I did ministry with, um, leaders and mentors that I trusted, like going and gossiping and slandering me and just all of these things. It feels like, what did I do wrong? Like, what did I do wrong? Because I've literally like given my life to Christ. I've walked with him the best way I know how I've stayed close to him. I haven't purposely lived in sin or walked away or tried to, um, I haven't apostatized in some way and said, geez, I'm not following you no more. Like I haven't done any of those things. And part of the conversation you had said, faith will cost you. And I think that a lot of believers are given this assumption that if they follow Jesus, their life will automatically get better. And that is most of the time that is not the case. Better in terms of you have received eternal life. Yes. But in terms of your materialist, like your materials, your possessions, your family, most of the time, like, like I'm not going to play any games in other countries. They will lose their life for this faith. They will lose their family for this faith. They're immediately cut off from community. They are no longer allowed to be in their family unit. And so there's very real consequences for faith in Jesus, for trusting loyalty in Christ and pledging your allegiance to King Jesus. There's very real consequences for that. And so I understand um, from this season of wilderness in my own life that like 
this has been such a pruning process. And like we had said, disciplining me because he loves me. Because I, I prayed the other day and Whitney said, Joe, I want you to pray. Sometimes she goes, Joe, I want you to pray because I want you to hear. If you hear anything, I want to know. And so um, we were on the phone and I just took a second to pray in the car. We were doing DoorDash, doing our deliveries. And I just sat there and I have not felt like I've heard the voice of the Lord in some time. It's been at least months. And I'm just like frustrated, like, God, I want to hear you. I'm listening to your word as I'm in the car. And, I, and this is not boasting myself. I literally will listen to the word for hours in the car, just letting scripture, just read it over me and allowing it to just go into my heart and meditating on the word. And so like, like allowing the Lord to speak to me, I know his primary way he speaks to me is his word. And I know that through prayer, I can commune with him and have communication. And so when I started to pray, I was like, all right, Lord, what, what do you want out of the season? Like, what do you, what is the purpose of why it feels like everything is just like in shambles right now? And he said so clearly. And I was like, Whitney, I think I heard him for the first time and it was so sweet and so tender. And it was like, I just want you. And it was one of those answers where you're like, that's not what I asked. (laughs) I asked like where we're supposed to go, what we're supposed to do. And he's like, I want you in this season to be with me. That's what he wants. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? Like, I'm with you. I'm talking with you. I'm spending time with you. I'm I'm in your word. I'm communing with you. And it feels like I'm alone, like a very isolated type of season. Not a lot of community surrounding us, not a lot of friends, you know, and we're like, all right, like, what do you mean by that? And man, my heart broke because you said, and like makes me tear up, but he's like, I don't want to give you Idaho if you're just going to forget about me. And in that moment, I was like, God, I am, I'm so sorry. Like in that moment, because I was thinking once we get Idaho and we get a house and we have a kid, have start having kids and all this stuff. And I was like, you know, it'd be so easy to just throw the label of Christian on my life and to just live in a place that's a super red state and conservative and they love Jesus and to just take it easy and to just like not even have a relationship with the Lord. That could be so tempting. And he was reminding me that before I give you what I'm going to give you, because we really feel led to go there to live with family and start ministry stuff. And like, it's not just, Oh, we want to move there. Cause we want to Cali. I mean, of course, like <laughs> it's really hard right now living in California. Um, but like truly, if this is the Lord and this is our stepping stone and this is going to be our home base from where we go out and do ministry, I'm like, Lord, like the most important thing, man, is like when ministry responsibilities come, when children start entering the picture, when we start getting a really grounded community and a really, really healthy church, like the last thing I want is to let my relationship with him wane. That's the last thing I want. And so I think in this season, he's pruning all of the distractions and all of the things that would try to take my my intimacy away from him. Um, and getting a house too early probably wouldn't have been the wisest decision. And now we're seeing on the other side of allowing him to prune us and to, to discipline us and to correct our heart's desires in this season. Like we're actually seeing the fruit of that. And we just had an apartment complex open up uh, in our city that's being built and will be open in January. And literally my cousin is the apartment manager. 
And she's like, Hey, I'm getting you guys in. Like I, I have an appointment with you. I'm going to send it out. Like, don't worry out of 500 people. And I'm like, okay, Lord, like, is this the next step? And literally the apartment is the cheapest in like the whole North Northern California. It's 1100 a month. And everywhere else is like 23, 2400. And I'm like, this is literally a blessing that we didn't know we needed. Because again, the freedom is going to be there to get a, to get a place that we can call our own. And if we want to start having children, we can, cause there'll be extra bedrooms. And so we're like, man, like this feels like such a stepping stone because for so long, I told Whitney, it felt like I was like, I was blindfolded and I was walking through a hallway with all the lights off. And I did not know where I was going. I said, it feels so like directionless and aimless. But I did know that there was a purpose. Yeah. So, so even in a spirit-led wilderness, it can feel, and I, and I want to just like put words to how it can feel so so directionless and aimless sometimes. But I never once questioned whether it was for a purpose. I knew that God was going to teach me something. He was going to open a door that no man can open, or shut a door that no man could open, or open a door that no man can open or shut a door that no man could reopen. So I was like, all right, Lord, I just trust you. Like I just trust you. And the, and the verse that he gave us to hold on to the last two to three years was literally uh, Proverbs three, five through six to trust in the Lord and with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And I have come to understand like that word trust did a word study because I'm a word nerd. So I did a word study on the word trust. And it literally says to thrust oneself at the feet of another, to lay it all down. And to give everything. Yeah. And so like I've learned in this season of my life that I am, I am being given the opportunity to lay everything down at Jesus's feet and be like, no, you are the most important thing to me. Like friends may fall away. Family may fall apart. My, my job may be inconsistent and the money is not coming in at like it should be right now, but I know I can trust the one constant thing that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's you. Yeah. And going back to the suffering servant piece, if Jesus was not excused from the wilderness, what makes us think as followers of Jesus that we won't also walk in his footsteps? Right. Because the Bible says that if you believe in him, then you ought to walk just as Jesus walked. Mm -hmm. And so I understand that as a suffering servant, that my, again, going back to the perspective, my perspective is eternal. My perspective is understanding there are going to be very real rewards that will stand the test of time, that will be gold, silver, and precious stones that will literally stand the test of faith in heaven. And I will be rewarded for the things I do in this life. Understanding like the suffering that I may walk through, whether it's rejection, physical persecution, you know, um, uh, friends walking away, family falling apart, whatever it looks like, the suffering in light of eternity and the glory that's coming is literally the most is the thing that holds on to the most. I hold on to the most because faith is the evidence of things hoped for. So I'm hoping for that eternity in that perspective, in that reality of the new heaven, the new earth, the new bodies, everything Jesus has promised and that will come to pass is going to be given to me. And when I look back at the things that I'm going through, I'm like, I still see Jesus as worth it.
I still see him as worthy to throw everything at his feet and to say, you are, you are worth the cost. Like the cost to buy in is your yes. And you giving your allegiance to him. And when you give your allegiance over to Jesus, it's a life of saying, I am enlisted in the army of the Lord and whatever comes my way, I'm willing to walk through it. And some people don't have the endurance. And that's one of the purposes of the wilderness too, is giving you the endurance to stay steadfast in the faith and to walk out the life that Jesus has prepared beforehand. It talks about in Ephesians, the workmanship he has created in Christ Jesus that we should walk in the good works he's prepared for us. Like if we're going to walk in those, most of the time, I'd say, like you said, you've been through a couple of wilderness seasons. Most of the time, it's going to be a wilderness season to prepare you for the next one. And, and man, I'm telling you right now, like in the midst of this season where I'm like, I've had a lot of questions and it's okay. Like I want to encourage anybody listening or watching right now, like it's okay to question It's okay to come to God. And the picture that I received even before this season was like, the Lord is inviting me to come sit on his lap and pound on his chest and tell him how frustrated I am because he's the only one that can handle it. Most of the time we go to other people or we go to mentors or we go to our pastors and we expect other people to bear the burden that Jesus actually says he can carry because he says, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. He didn't say they did, even though they might. He said, I care for you. So come to me with all your burdens. And he says, and and he stood up in Matthew, the book of Matthew records that he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But most people stop there. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. What is the yoke with Jesus? You are now partnering with him and he is taking on the very thing you are carrying, but you're doing it together. And so I want to encourage anyone like in this wilderness season where they have so many questions running through your mind, or maybe you're frustrated or angry, or you're even like, is, is Jesus even worth like following anymore? Like he is, he is worthy of every drop of sweat. He's worthy of every drop of blood and every frustration and every question that you have, even if it's not answered right now in this moment, eventually it will be. Yeah. And and it's okay to question. It's okay to come to him with those questions. I would say question marks in the wilderness. It's okay to come to him with those and to come fully as you are and say, This is this is how I feel. This is everything that's going on. It feels so ambiguous. It feels so so distorted. And I don't know what's going on. And to come to him with a full heart. And again, it comes back to the core of this. It's humility and humbling yourself because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So when you humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you and he will literally give you the opportunity to see with clear eyes, the purpose and the point of why you're in the season that you're in. Right. Yeah. You said, I mean, so many good things. I want to highlight a number of things as we talk about, like, what are the principles, you know, that we need to keep in mind as we go through the wilderness to do well in it, something like that. Right. And I I think a big part of it is to recognize that the wilderness is testing. Wilderness is testing. Okay. So um, the passage that, you know, um, I want to point out from Deuteronomy chapter eight, and this is God when he's speaking about the reason why he brought the nation of Israel through the wilderness. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, he says, you know, in verse two, he says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you mm. and test you 
in order to know what was in your heart, whether wow. or not you would keep his commands, right? He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Right. And that's the, that's what Jesus quoted when he was right. Right. He says, your clothes did not wear out. Your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know that in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Right. Mm. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. OK. And he's going to go to describe the land that he's bringing him into. So right. the whole point of why he brought Israel through the wilderness. That's a good word. Right. Is to <laughs> humble them and to test them and to teach them to depend on him, to prepare them to come into the land that they have to steward. Yeah. OK. So this is the purpose of why he brings his people through the wilderness. And guess what? Nobody wants to go through the wilderness. <laughs> Nobody Sucks, wants man. to. <laughs> right. Like. The wilderness yeah. sucks. Okay, I I always pray like Lord, please, <laughs> like there's any other way. <laughs> I I mean, but this is kind of what I'm convinced about, right? Because what you see with with Israel is yeah. they they go through the wilderness and then immediately they send spies into the land, right? Mm. And the spies, most of them come back and they say, "We can't do it. We can't take this land." But then two of them, right, Caleb and I think Joshua, right, say. No, we're well able. God can give us the grace. We can do it. The other's like, are you crazy? There's giants here. <laughs> All right. Did you see the same thing? Yeah. I saw I saw giants, right? We can't handle these yeah. giants, right? And and the Lord is mad at them. And he says, because your faith is so small mm. and fine, the judgment is you have to spend the next 40 years in the wilderness. The generation is going to die in the wilderness and the next generation will take it, right? And so we have to understand like you can prolong wow. your wilderness season. You mm. can prolong your wilderness season and and if you don't respond rightly to it, okay? And so I always pray, God, let this wilderness season be as short as possible, Lord. I want to be so short. Right? One like, hour. No, like, just kidding. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> like, um, But here are some principles that I've found that they, I think shorten it, okay? Mm. And to be clear, like, in humility, we have to say, uh, in humility, I want to say this, look, the greater the authority that God wants you to steward or is is planning for you to steward, I think the more yep. of a wilderness process you have to endure. It's something like that, okay? Yep. And now if you just rock that wilderness like Jesus did, you can get it over in 40 days and you're done, okay? But I think yeah. Jesus, I don't think any of us are as masterful as Jesus at this, right? We all suck in the wilderness, okay? But when we look at the Israelites, we can see what you shouldn't do, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and and the number one thing is you shouldn't complain. Right. Mm. That's what the Israelites do. They're constantly complaining, just complaining and complaining, saying it was better back in Egypt. Right. Why did I even start following God? Mm. Right. I shouldn't have even started doing this thing. I should have just, you know, done my own thing. Right. And just being real, a lot of people do that in the wilderness. They start to question like whether they should have even tried to follow God, really tried to trust him. Yep. And and the truth is this if you're gonna walk with God, it's an adventure. It really is. You cannot plan your life yep. in God. All right. You don't know what the heck God's going to bring you through yep. because that's what it means to follow him. It means that he's actually going to guide you in such a way that he's going to make sure to put you in situations where your character can grow. Okay. <laughs> and it's, it's not an easy journey. He never promises that it'll be easy. All right. He promises that it will be hard. Okay. <clears throat> and so you'll have many trials. <laughs> yes. You will have tribulation, right? Like, it's not it's not an easy journey to follow God. And as we go through the wilderness, those are always the test. That's the test. All right, you told me when you were in the blessed place 
that you love me and you'd follow me forever. You told me that I was worthy of all of your trust mm. and your and and your affection. You told me all of this stuff. Is it still true in the wilderness? Wow. Right. I We're, just got the idea of testing your vows. Yes, exactly. Testing your vows. The exactly. wilderness is the moment that God says, are you going to live up to your promise to me? Yes, exactly. Wow. And by the way, this that analogy, that metaphor of marriage is exactly the same one scripture uses, yeah. right? That's exactly what Paul talks about, right? About how he, he hits his job to present the churches to the Lord as, as virgins, right? Mm. That have not adulterated themselves with other gods, right? But they've kept themselves pure for the Lord. He's going to present them to Christ, right? And it's the same idea. Like, uh, this is why I always try and say that, you know, the best way to understand baptism is that it is a vow. It is, it is the engagement promise, right? I vow to be faithful to you. I vow to lay down my life and to trust you all of my days. I'm dying, making the choice to die to myself and to live for you, God. It's the vow. It's the engagement vow to God. And then this life is the testing of the engagement vow, right? The wedding is not until the wedding feast of the Lamb, right? We're all, we're in the engagement period here, and our vows are being tested. And the truth is that many do not are not faithful to their vows, and they mm -hmm. will not be invited to the wedding feast, Okay. But absolutely, this this journey is that that's that's Hebrews three and four. This we're in the wilderness of testing in this life, and we must make every effort right to reach um, the Sabbath rest, right, the promised mm -hmm. land. Okay, that's this life is the wilderness of testing. So principle number one: do not complain. Do not complain because complaining will kill your faith. It will kill your faith, and all of us are tempted to do it in the wilderness. Okay, yeah. I've done a lot of complaining in the wilderness so <laughs> i'm not saying like you know i'm not saying i've done this perfectly it all of us are tempted to complain in the wilderness but the opposite of complaining is is thanksgiving yep. right and let me tell you you become so thankful for the blessings like when you're in the wilderness and you hear the voice of the lord oh my gosh you're so thankful for it. You know, it's like, it's like fresh oh water. God, thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, thank yeah. you. And by the way, that's the metaphor. That is the actual metaphor, right? Because yeah. the word of God is the manna that comes from heaven, right? That's and that good. aids our spiritual bodies, right? It's the yeah. same thing. We have to live by that. And the, the problem with it is because when you're in the wilderness, you don't have an abundance of it. You're yeah. not sure, right? What God's saying. And good. so when you get a word, it's like life giving to you. It's like, oh, thank God. And you want to hoard it. You want so much that you can hoard it and that you don't <laughs> have to get another word, right? Like, yeah. but I, I know, no, but it, you don't get enough. He doesn't give you enough like that. He just mm. gives you enough to sustain you until he speaks to you again. And like, that's hard. I'm just being Fair. real. Like when I've been in wilderness seasons, I've had people give me prophetic words that were so life giving to me. And it's like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. You know, like, yep. I know that word is from the Lord. You know, I actually just got um, a word uh, a couple of weeks ago. One of my old students, um, I've been, you know, I've been in a wild, in a type of wilderness season. I feel like I've been coming out of it for the past month, two two months. Um, awesome. But I've been in a wilderness season for two, three years, you know, part of this. And um, the, the main prayer that I had was like, Lord, you know, my heart, I just, I want to bear fruit for you. I want to be fruitful for you, Lord. Mm. Right. And uh, that's been my main prayer for the past two, three years. 
And, um, you know, one of my students, I, I forget if he had a dream, but he, he got a word from the Lord and he said, the Lord has heard your prayer, you know, that you want to, to bear fruit for him. Right. Mm. And, he, and he's going to be faithful to that, you know, and, and he like, didn't know you've been praying that. No, he didn't know I'd been praying for that. You know, it was a, wow. it was a, a glorious That's word. Amazing. Yeah. He called, it was my, one of my old students called me at four in the morning. <laughs> I didn't pick up, but he left the voicemail, right? Yeah, I left yeah, the yeah. Voicemail. And, um, but words like that, I've gotten a number of words from a, this. It's funny. That's this awesome. past season, this past wilderness season, it's all been my former students who have given me prophetic awesome. words because the Lord has spoken to them. And like, and that's part of the encouragement for me too, because my whole fear is like, God, I feel like I'm not being productive in this season. I don't, I don't feel like I'm bearing a lot of fruit. right? That. And I'm yeah. afraid, you know, but the, one of the ways that the Lord has been encouraging me is that my old students are hearing from the Lord, right. And prophesying to me. And I know it's the Lord because the words are so accurate and dead on, you know, and I'm like, awesome. Oh, thank God. Like the, the, what I showed back in the previous season of my life, is still bearing fruit, right? And so it's like mm. it's been a comfort to me. All right. So I just say that. All right. So principle number one is you just give thanks, right? Give thanks for everything that you get, every blessing that you can see. Focus on the blessings and focus on Thanksgiving because it, it, you're not going to be here forever. You're not going to be in the wilderness forever. Yep. All right. It's really important to understand it's not going to last forever. So you need to have confidence. Right, that the Lord will bring you through. Okay, He's not going to abandon you in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Right, so give thanks to Him, thank Him for the ways that He blesses you, even though they might seem small in the season. Okay, give thanks, refuse mm-hmm. to complain. Okay, and th- by the way, I should mention there's a difference. Like there's faithful complaining. Right, it's like Lord, mm-hmm. I'm longing for this. Right, that that's not how what I would call complaining. Yeah. Right. Because pouring in prayer into all that stuff, that's actually really good. Okay. It's it's complaining is when we're speaking out of a lack of faith. Right. God, why are you like this? Right. What what why have you done this to me? Right. Like, and and mm. we're angry and we we're coming into judgment against the Lord. Right. That's yeah. the stuff that it will kill our faith and it will prolong the season. <laughs> okay. Don't do that. Yeah. Right? Don't do that. Can I share something about the complaining piece? Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to say something the Lord, you know, um, taught me about complaining was, especially during this season, like it's so helpful. Like when he gives, again, it does feel like manna from heaven when it's like he speaks to you or like something in his word or you get a prophetic word, whatever. It feels like, oh my gosh, like, I need to hold on to that forever. But I I feel like what he revealed to me about complaining was, and this paradigm shifted my whole heart, was he just said, when you complain, you're taking the position of me and saying that you're entitled to something better. Yeah. And and the, when I when he spoke that to me when I was I was praying and I was talking to him and I just said, Why, why shouldn't we complain? Because I've seen that the Israelites, the biggest reason why they didn't enter was because of complaining yeah and and he said complaining is assuming my position but then saying you're not grateful for what i have done and what i am doing and basically saying no god i think i could do better than you yeah and i'm like man i i don't ever want to be in a position where i'm like you know what you're doing a terrible job and i'm just gonna take your your place 
you know, and so that giving thanks and having an attitude of gratitude, I know that's kind of cheesy, but just having a position of thankfulness is you recognizing who you are in light of God and saying, even when it doesn't make sense, I still choose to trust you yeah, and still choose you. So, so good, man. So yeah. good. Yeah, exactly. Because the whole season, remember, the whole thing is about humbling. It's about humbling, right? I there's another man of God that once told me, like, humbling yourself is a choice. You can either choose you can either choose to humble yourself or you can be humiliated. Yep. Right? But the nature of if God's has if God has an agenda to humble you, then what he has an agenda to humiliate you. Right? Mm-hmm. And the way it's really how you respond to that, right? Because what happens is your pride is gonna I feel humiliated. How dare they treat me like this? Right? How dare these people do this to it's me? It's going to be exposed. All of that is is pride in our hearts, and and to, we have to be honest. All of us have that, right? Like, I wish I was born with perfect humility, but nobody's <laughs> born with perfect humility, right? We all are yeah. born proud people, and we have to choose to go lower in humility. And the way that we do that is when we're humiliated, when people treat us in a way that is, you know, really wrong and messed up. Then we could choose to harbor offense, or we could say, God, I forgive them, and you've treated me so much better than I deserve. I'm far more blessed than I deserve, right? And mm-hmm. it's okay that people treat me wrongly because I've treated so many other people wrongly in my life, right? That we're choosing to humble ourselves in a deeper level, okay? And just be real, that's going to happen in the wilderness, okay? You are gonna, you're gonna be humiliated, and this is the part where it, it's it's hard because I this is the part that I think prolongs our our period of wilderness for long times because we refuse to forgive people. We refuse to let things go. Yep. We're like, it's not fair that I've been treated like this. It's not fair that this was done to me. It's not fair. All this kind of stuff. And I promise you, I have wrestled with all of that in my life. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's how quickly can we go, Lord, it's okay. It's okay that you've put me through this. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, Joseph was so wronged. Nobody like so wronged. His own yeah. brothers, his own brothers sold him into slavery. Why? Because he had yep. a dream that they were, you know, like because his dad favored him and bought him a coat. You know, it's and like then lied to his dad and said that he was killed. So crazy, right? Can you yeah. know, your brothers? There, those were probably his closest friends, and his actual brothers did this to him, right? Yeah. And then it's not like this happened, and then God immediately vindicated him. No, then he had to be a slave. Where his his master that he serves so well and he blesses so much turns against him and 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 punishes him for doing what's right and not sleeping with his wife, you know, and sends him to to prison like he's wronged again, right? And then in prison he's wronged again, right? Where you know the one that he prophesied to forgets about him, you know, and doesn't, you know, it, yeah. it's just a constant stream of dishonor and shame that mm. he did not deserve. Right. And all of that is to prepare him, right, for the position of authority that he's going to have. You know, like it's hard. It's not Mm. easy at all. Right. But this is what about Jesus? Jesus did nothing wrong. He came to save his people and they betrayed him. They tortured him. They accused him of being a heretic and, you know, the prince of demons and all this kind of crazy stuff. Right. And, 
if you want to be like Jesus, this is the way you become like Jesus. Yep. Say <laughs> right? that. Like yeah. this is the way, right? You have yeah. this kind of stuff happen to you. And then you learn how to forgive and love your enemies, right? Mm. You learn how to, you know, how to empty yourself of pride. Okay. Because everything in you is like demanding, no, I, I've got to be, you know, I've got to be honored. I've got to be recognized. And mm. and that day will come. But in this life, we say, Lord, it's enough for me if you're pleased with me. Right? That's enough, yep. God. Right. And 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 that's the next principle is is drawing near to God. And that's what you spoke about, right? About how like you got to draw near to the Lord. And it's really hard in the wilderness because you don't feel his amazing love and you don't feel like he's blessing your life. His manifest presence, yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's hard to draw near to the Lord. And so, you know, I I have a lot of compassion for people who are struggling because they know, like, I know I should be praying. I know I should be doing this, but I just don't have the faith for it. It's like so hard in the season to do it, right? Mm -hmm. And I just want to speak grace on that because I totally understand. I remember in my first wilderness season, there was this song by Misty Edwards that um, ministered so much to my heart. You know, she's, you know, Mm -hmm. she's singing about like, Lord, when you feel so far away, Right. Still, I'm here to say I'm yours. And I remember mm. it, when I when it's I good. was seeing that song and when I heard that song, like it it so ministered to my heart because I felt like God, you're so far away, but Lord, I'm I'm yours. I'm not going anywhere. You mm. know, like I'm not leaving. I'm staying. I've 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 already put all of my chips on Jesus, right? And I'm not pulling out now. <laughs> you know, like, and I think there's something that's so precious about that to the Lord. Right when he feels far away, but but our heart is determined to say, Lord, I'm not leaving you, right? Mm. Even if you feel far away, I'm going to stay, right? And I'm I'm going to keep my heart oriented towards you. I'm going to try and follow you all the days of my life. I think there's something that's so precious to the Lord about this, right? Yeah, so good. a lot of people can feel like, God, why why aren't you close? You know, like mm. and and I understand that temptation to be like, well, if if you're not going to help me if you're not going to speak to me, if you're not going to do these things for me. Like, why should I follow you? Like, I understand that mm. temptation, but I'm telling you, this is part of the process the Lord uses to test our vows, right? In that place, can we say, Lord, I don't know why you're allowing me to go through this, right? I don't know why this is happening, but Lord, I'm yours forever. I'm yours, right? And um, I just want to mm. say that faith is precious to the Lord. Okay. Yeah, and being being married, like that experience is true of us being married too. Oh yeah. Like, like being married, like we don't always feel like loving our spouse all the time. You know, like yeah. we don't always or I, I'm what I'm trying to say is we don't always feel loved by our spouse all the time. Right. But I know that when I draw close to my spouse, there's certain things that I do that literally ignites again the passion or the the feeling of being in love though i choose to love though i still serve her in ways that show my love though i still prove my love by my faithfulness and my obedience to my vows Mm -hmm. i still in those moments where i feel like man we felt we felt distant for a little while or we felt like we haven't talked in a little bit or maybe we haven't connected in a way that's emotionally uh reciprocated i'm like man when i start drawing close to her 
it, it, there's certain things that I can do, and I'm not just saying sexually, but just there's certain things that I can maybe say or do for her in service of her that literally move her heart to then reveal how much she cares and loves me yeah. back. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, that's been an encouragement to me and like just being married, you know, like recognizing how many parallels there are to my relationship with Jesus. And I'm like, man, when I just draw to him, even in the very, very dry seasons where it feels like there's nothing happening and I can't feel him and I haven't heard him and the Bible feels like nothing is speaking to me. And I'm like, so frustrated in my prayer life. And I'm like, even just the, just the words of sitting and like literally i i can't over state how simplistic it is when you just say jesus i love you anyways yeah. and just just in that in that simplicity coming before the lord and being like i still love you like i'm still here yeah. i'm not going anywhere like again we go back to the testing of your vows to Jesus is your obedience and drawing near to him, even when it feels like nothing is taking place or happening or changing because you choose to love him regardless of how it feels. Because there's moments where I choose to love my spouse, even when I don't feel like loving my spouse. Even if we were just had an argument, I still choose to serve her and do the dishes or take out the trash or put, do our laundry and put our clothes away. Like I'm still choosing to love her regardless of how I feel in that instant. And so I think that's also an encouragement for us as believers that even when we don't feel like loving God back because maybe we don't feel him in this season, we're still choosing to love him and draw near to him. And um, when we do that, I would say that there's moments where it, it I don't want to use the word trigger, but there's moments where he reciprocates the love back. And those are so that it's such a sweet time um, and a reminder of just the relationship you have with the Lord. And it's, it's beautiful. So, yeah, absolutely, man. That's good. And um, kind of the last, the last principle that I, I'll point out is, um, is repent, you know, like the truth is, as we go deeper in humility, we can see our own sin clear. Something like that, right? There's so yeah. much. There's so many ways that we sin that we're just not aware of because our, our pride doesn't allow us to see it, right? But as mm. God humbles us more and more, we're able to see more clearly how we have wronged people. Because the truth is, in, in the body of Christ, we're constantly wronging each other in minor ways oftentimes. We don't see the ways that we wrong each other. You know what I mean? And it's part of the process of growth is being able, as we go deeper in humility, be like, you know what, man, I I I wronged him there. Right. And like and it's hard because uh, look in in relationships. OK, when people fight, you know, this is this is a principle when you're meeting in a fight. It's very rare that one side is completely wrong and the other side is completely right. Right. It, that's very rare. Very rare. <laughs> OK, it's usually something like, you know, this person is is, you know, frustrated at work. and comes home and says something kind of a little messed up. And this person you know, kind of responds out of that, you know, a little bit. And then this person responds out of that. And then this person doesn't say anything for a couple of days and then they explode, you know, and it's like, it, it there's these buildups of little yeah. wrongs that you don't see over time that, that kind of create these bigger wrongs some, and something like that. 
And mm. all that I'm getting at there is that we're it, it's much easier for us to see the wrongs that are done to us than the wrongs that we do to other people. That's true for Correct. all of us. Okay. okay. And um, but going deeper in humility, it it allows us to actually consider ways that we've wronged other people in ways that we didn't realize before. Okay. Like uh, like one of the examples in my life I remember is um I remember my second wilderness season that I went through, I felt like, you know, um, my friend didn't trust me in the same way that I trusted him. I felt like wronged by him. And um, mm. it's not like I could put my finger and say, like, he sinned against me clearly here. I just felt so dishonored or wronged by him. And um, I, I went through a season where I was just forgiving him and forgiving him. And then as I remember I was coming to the tail end of that season, one day the Lord spoke to me and he said, Dennis, you were jealous of him. And I was like, I was like, what? No way. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Denial's not just a river in Egypt. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> and, and I yeah. thought about it, and all of a sudden, it became so clear that there was this jealousy in my heart that mm. I had never recognized. You know, like, I had never recognized that, you know? And, um, and it's not that I had done something crazy. It's just, it was, it was influencing the way that I interacted with him. And I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, I never even saw that. I never even knew that, you know? Mm. And, um, and I, and I went back and I repented to him, you know? And I said, Hey man, I'm so sorry. And, you know, he never repented to me for the stuff that I felt like he'd wronged me. Right. That's just the reality of how it's going to be. <laughs> you know, like most of the ways that people wrong you, they're not going to repent of. Right. But we have to repent of the things that we know that we did wrong because it doesn't like, look, there's so many things that you've done wrong in your life that you've never repented of. Right. But the Lord says he will forgive you of those things if you forgive other people. Right. That's why I, I think, you know, I, I was talking with another friend of mine. And he's like, gosh, I'm just not sure if I'm like committing this sin or if I'm committing this. sin. I'm not sure if I'm doing something wrong here or there. And I'm like, look, you're probably doing a lot more stuff wrong than you think you are. Right. That you're afraid you are. Right. But don't pin mm. your hopes on trying to never do stuff wrong. You're going to do a lot of stuff wrong in your life. Right. Pin your hopes on being like, God. I have been very careful to forgive everyone that is wrong to me, right? Like mm-hmm. I refuse to hold bitterness towards anybody. I'm going to freely forgive everyone. Therefore, based on your promises, Lord, you promised that if I would be merciful to others, that you would be merciful to me, right? And that's what I pin my hope on. I pray that to the Lord all the time, right? Oh, Lord, please be merciful to me, Lord God. As I've tried to forgive others of the sins that they've committed, Lord, would you forgive mm-hmm. me of the wrongs that I have done? Okay, and I just pin all of my hope on that, that God is going to be very merciful to me because I believe that I have really tried to be merciful to others. Okay, Mm. and um, and that's really important. Right. Forgiving it, forgiving others and then repenting whenever the Lord shows you something. Try and be quick to repent. Okay, Um, because there is a there is a process of reaping and sowing. We do reap from what we sow. Okay, and I believe if we repent, right, then we can mitigate that. All right. Yeah. Okay. And so that all of that is is my suggestion is to go through the wilderness, but we have to go through it. We have to go through wilderness seasons. I always, you know, I tell my wife like 
I, I hope, you know, like this is the last one ever, but I know it won't be like <laughs> when you listen to the stories of like great yeah. men and women of faith. Oh my gosh. The stories that I've heard from mentors of mine, older stories of, of the wrongs that have been done to them, of the things that they have suffered. I'm like, it never ends, does it? <laughs> you know, like you just Same. you just keep going through tests until heaven, you know. And I think <laughs> I think that there's some truth to that. I really do. Yeah. I, I think look, the the rest is for the next life. Okay. We get mm. seasons of rest. We get respite. You know, like get many rests in this life. It's not all like all terrible. But I think the truth is, um, look, in this life, we're gonna have trouble. And we, I just pray, Lord, let me, let me make it to heaven with my integrity intact. You know, like, let me make it through, like, confident that I, I really tried my best to follow you my whole life, right? Where I didn't turn away in bitterness. I didn't, like, like, this is too much. This is the final straw. I'm done. Follow you, God. Like, let, let me never, right, reset place. I just yeah. want to make it to heaven, right, with my integrity. And mm. um, I just want to encourage everybody who's going through stuff. Um, cause I know how difficult this is. And I always try and warn young people that are really growing in the faith because I love that. Okay. One of my great joys as a pastor is like, Joe, when I see students like you, right. When you were in at Biola yeah. and I see you filled with faith and I see you growing in the Lord and drawing closer to the Lord, like as a pastor, I'm like, I'm, I'm so, it makes me so happy to see, you know, because it's a disciple, Right. Like here's yeah. a disciple, right? That's really pursuing the Lord. And then yeah. what I always try to do is, is I try to warn because if you're a real disciple, you are going to run into wilderness seasons. You are going to run into hardships and suffering and, yeah. um, and making it through those things is, is something we all got to do. Right. And so Joe, I just want to really encourage you, man. I look at you and I'm like, this is a disciple right here. This is a disciple. When you tell me all the stuff that's happened, I'm like, this is a disciple of Christ, right? Like, I see yeah. you. I see you're genuine in in your pursuit of God. You know, none of us go through all this stuff perfectly. That's the whole point of the discipline, right? It's because God is is <laughs> making us more like Him, right? He's like, I'm gonna take that out, and I'm gonna take that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, none yeah. of us go through it perfectly. But man, I I just want to commend you. I when I look at you, I just see somebody who's who is is going through it with faith you know, and he's pressing on. So good job, man. I think you're doing great. All yeah, right, bro. I appreciate that. I really do. And I just, I want to say too, like me and Whitney have always gone back to the time at Biola when we were at BTM and just that being such a pivotal, pivotal uh, moment in my faith where I very rarely ever heard anything preached out of the the whole council of God's word. It was mainly just like stories like David and uh, David and Goliath and uh, Old Testament, like Israel, but never really like doctrine or like good core essential teachings of like Old Testament, New Testament and tying it together. And so I just want to thank you so much oh, um, yeah, for yeah. being someone that teaches the whole counsel of God's word. That is, is someone I could testify is full of integrity, who doesn't compromise on biblical values and convictions and um, doesn't give in to, doesn't bow to culture um, and doesn't let the mob destroy you. Um, and, and just being someone who's faithful and, and, and I honor wholeheartedly. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for our relationship and um, where it's gone. But yeah, this, I hope that this conversation has helped at least one person. Um, and just, I know that 
um, a lot of the question is, um, you might be thinking at the end of this, is there going to be purpose for the pain of this season? And I just want to say wholeheartedly, yes. Me and Dennis can both testify to the fact that there is a purpose in your wilderness. Jesus does redeem and restore and refine the things in your life that need to be molded and shaped and changed and transformed for his glory so that you can be a fully equipped disciple of Jesus. And so we're so grateful that you joined us today. Absolutely, man. Well, thanks, brother. I appreciate that. All right. Um, is there anything else that you would like to say before we close up here? You good? No, I, I felt like, I felt like, um, one of the things, well, yeah, I guess there's one thing. <laughs> there's one, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, we're not done yet. We're not done. Um, no, I wanted to reiterate like what you had said earlier, like a lot of people of faith. I, I just started reading this book called what love looks like um, a little while back, but it's like a bunch of different missionaries and pastors and leaders, them sharing their testimony of like the darkest time in their life. I mean, I think Heidi Baker shared like being on her deathbed, literally in the hospital, having to go preach the next day, leaving the hospital. She had already been admitted three times and saying, I'm just going to go preach because the Lord wants me to go do that and obey. And she literally gets healed on stage Jeez. as she's preaching. And I'm just like hearing these stories and like literally like diving into people's darkest moments of their, their wilderness or their like, I literally faced death before God gave me this platform, before God gave me this ministry, and all of it was for a purpose, and all of it was for a reason. Um, just, I'm encouraged, uh, like you had said, because of the people of faith, and we have history, like documented history of people who have literally walked with God for so long that have been through these type of situations that we're not alone. And when I look at Jesus, who is the suffering servant that went through even a wilderness himself, um, I'm encouraged to know that like, I am on the path that God wants me to be on. I'm not outside of his will. I'm not just doing my own thing and like, Oh, am I really like following him? It's like, no, I'm confident of my hope in Jesus in this season um, because I know that as I'm walking with him, like he's led me into this place and he's also going to lead me out. And there's going to be so many beautiful things on the other side of it. But I am, um, I, I just want to say too, that as a believer in Jesus, we had already said that we are never, we never get to escape the life of suffering. Even if Jesus himself never got to escape it. There were times I would say in the, in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus did say, father, if there's any other way, and it's okay to pray those prayers. It's okay to ask God, please, if there's any other way. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's just, I, I just want people to know. And, and as we're ending this conversation to, to have full hope and full confidence that there is purpose in this season, God does redeem the pain of the things we've walked through. Cause sometimes the wilderness is entered as like, again, like my family, friends and all those things, like it is sometimes painful um, as pruning and correction and discipline comes. Um, but the fruit and the reward of the wilderness is worth every single yeah. moment of um, complexity that it is. So yeah, that's really good, um, man. It's encouraging. That's really good. Yeah. Hey, 
real quick, let me just say one thing because I feel like a prophetic burden on it actually. Yeah. Um, one thing that we we need to do is we need to repent of the ways that we have judged other believers that have had bad things happen to them, something like that. And I say that because you know we were talking mm-hmm. about Job's friends. Job, um, you know, they were accusing Job of doing wrong, and that's why this stuff has come upon you, right? And I just feel in my spirit that there's people like that we can, we, all of us can do that sometimes when we look at something bad that's happened to somebody. Oh, it's because he sinned in his life or, Oh, it's because you know he had it coming or like he, he was, he had this problem or something like that. And we've entered into the type of judgment against other believers. And I just want to encourage us um, with the measure we use it, we measure it against us. Right. So we want to repent of stuff like that. Okay. Cause all of us have to go through humiliation. We talked about this, right? All of us have to go through humiliation. And so, you know, I know people that have had such, such terrible things happen to them. Okay. And um, I think we're, we're, we're in deception if we think that could never happen to us. Okay. All of this stuff could happen to us through no fault of our own. Right. Um, this life is hard. Okay. This life is hard. And so I just want to encourage anybody out there. If you know that you've judged another believer, another leader in the body, um, you know, and said that, Oh, th- this terrible thing's happening to them because, of this weakness they have or something like that. Um, I just want to say we need to be really careful about that kind of thing. Okay. We don't always know why bad things happen to people. Um, and sometimes there is an aspect of sin to it, but sometimes, uh, you know, uh, sometimes this is not a place where we should judge. So that's just my warning. Okay. All right. I'll finish. I'll finish it there. Joe, thank you so much for, for coming on, bro. Really appreciate your friendship and having you on and being able to have these types of discussions, man. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me.